Good evening, everybody. This is Rich Duncan from Ink Heist, and tonight I'm joined by my co-hosts uh, Shane Douglas Keene and Laurel Hightower. And tonight we're talking with Brian Kirk, who is the author of Will Haunt You and We Are Monsters. So how are you doing today, Brian? I am doing well. And uh, I just want to say thank you guys for having uh, me on. I, uh, uh, I'm psyched that you guys are doing a podcast. I, I can't remember when it was. I want to say we were talking, um, um, you know, I guess before you guys decided to launch it. You may have already had plans uh, that I wasn't aware of. But I, I remember encouraging you guys to do this or, or thinking that it would be a good idea. So to see this uh, in the works is, is very nice. And um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. So good. Good job. <laughs> thanks brian yeah actually uh it was you had you had put the idea in there but shane and i were uh kind of leery because we're both kind of shy but uh we agreed to help uh john and our listeners are probably rolling their eyes because we've told this story 15 times but <laughs> uh when john asked us to help him promote the fearing he wanted to do like some behind the scenes stuff for it and we're just like oh yeah cool right and then he was like oh yeah can it be audio so of course Shane and I couldn't say no, and that's how it was born, pretty much. <laughs> you know why? He, you know why he wanted it audio? Why is that? Because he's got that sexy damn voice. He's got that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, he, he, he just likes to show it off. I I told him that on the podcast, dude. You have the greatest <laughs> fucking speaking voice I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. call him up. I'll just I'll just like just tee him up so I can just hear him talk for a while. <laughs> yeah yeah we we thought the same thing i think one episode uh we said um him and damien damien angelica walters they both have like a perfect voice for that kind of stuff yeah no i, I would agree but uh well I'll, I'll tell you um what why i appreciate you're doing this especially when you're saying you, you had reservations because there's nothing better than getting out of your comfort zone i think that's exactly. one of the best things you can do so um so well done. Oh, thank you. And it's, yeah. and it's caused it's kind of caused a lot of other positive things to happen too, you know, because it did it getting out of your comfort zone also has a habit of kind of making you try to push even further out of your comfort zone, you know, and um, find yourself doing things you've wanted to do but have been leery of doing. So, well, that's the thing. Well, as soon as you start doing something that's scary, things become less scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually kind of a good segue into a question that I had. Um, I know We Are Monsters is your newest book coming out through uh, Flame Tree, but I figured we could ask you some stuff about, like, Will Haunt You and maybe even some other older stuff and kind of going into the comfort zone. I don't know if it was necessarily outside, but... Um, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about your uh, short story for Gutted, uh, picking splinters from a sex slave. And yeah, that, that's one of those stories that still to this day <laughs> sticks with me. And I think about it like all the time because it the subject matter, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it, but it's very, very sensitive. And I feel like it could have gone like completely off the rails, but horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow you, somehow you pulled it off because everybody that I've talked to that's red gutted, they always pick that as one of the standout stories. And I was wondering if, 
you know, if that was something that you were kind of hesitant to write at first, or if you had that idea and you were, you know, full force behind it and like no reservations or, and kind of maybe what, what kind of spurred that idea and for you to take that on? Yeah, no, I know. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny that um, we, we'll, maybe we'll circle around to that. That uh, I, I got a, a death threat from that uh, story. So oh not everyone is a fan. <laughs> but, oh, man, really? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in a roundabout way. But um, but yeah, I was threatened. But uh, uh, so did I have reservations? So I knew, obviously, that was going to be a touchy um, subject. The reason that kind of subject got put in my consciousness in the first place is because uh, my aunt and cousin, uh, mother and daughter, are uh, they run an organization out of Dallas that helps um, uh, sex trafficking victims. So it's something that has been, you know, that my, my family kind of is is fighting against and, you know, in, in is uh, a part, you know, you know, it's a part of their life. So anyway, it was just something that was that I guess got into my subconscious, and uh, and I really couldn't think of anything more frightening. That's like my. So I guess real quick to to do a summary of the story. So picking splinters of, uh, from a sex slave is a story about an adolescent girl who is kidnapped and kept as a sex slave in a box under uh, a pervert's bed for a number of years before she is rescued from a tip by a neighbor and returned home to her father. And in the uh, intervening years that she's been gone, the family's completely fallen apart. And the father, unfortunately, is just not emotionally equipped to, to kind of deal with this situation or, or, or help his daughter, um, you know, recover emotionally in the way that well, I don't know if anyone is equipped to help someone like that uh, recover emotionally. Um, uh, it's the most I can't imagine anything be more damaging. And that was and, and it's a very extreme story. And, and, and it's such an extreme uh, situation. I mean, it's like, I think yeah. if you're going to approach a subject like that, the only way to approach it is say, this is how bad it is. You know, it's like yeah. you want, you know, it's like, I can't think of anything, any side of humanity that is worse than, than, than someone that would, that would take advantage of another person in that, in that way. So, yeah. so, uh, yeah. so it had to be a brutal story. You know what I mean? It had to be a story that, that fucked you up. Because that's what that does, you know. So anyway, um, did I have reservations of telling it? No, I, I gave up. So I spent a whole uh, I spent the majority of my life kind of um, hiding who I was. You know what I mean? I didn't want yeah. you know what I mean? Pretending I was someone I, I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I, you know, I care. You know, I'm, I'm a friendly person. But it's like. You know, I have this imagination that's really warped and twisted and, and does, you know what I mean? And, and wants to tell these these stories like that. And uh, and I bottled that up for so long that that I finally kind of, you know, decided to to just be honest with who I was and authentic. And, you know, whether that's good or bad or people like me or not, you know what I mean? At least I'm not going to be fake. And, and so ever since I made that decision, I've kind of just uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've eliminated whatever self-censorship I I ever had on myself. So if anything wants to come through, I, I trust that it's going to come through from a place of uh, genuine caring and compassion. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not trying to, um, uh, you know, I'm not trying to have any sort of cheap shock value in any way whatsoever. Like anything that wants to come through is going to have meaning to it, I think. And uh, so I, I, yeah, let it, I, I, I wasn't uh, apprehensive about telling that story. Which is good. That's something we've been talking a lot about lately is, uh, we all have a uh, deep admiration of 
uh, writers who are willing to take the gloves off, so to speak. You know, we've been talking a lot about uh, J.F. Gonzalez, and we talked to Sam Kolyesnik recently, Samantha Kolyesnik, who wrote the debut True Crime. Right. Um, and these, I mean, those are examples of authors just like that who just went, you know, uh, fuck it, I'm going to let my art be as honest as it possibly can and come from a place of sincerity. Mm. Yes, it's a good word for it. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet, Brian, but I mean, honestly, just like hearing you describe where that came from, I, I mean, I can already compare like the, I mean, for the reason for you writing that is because you had that specific connection so that's really that's really excellent yeah i mean it you know it's weird that that's kind of my expression of it it's like my my aunt and my cousin and these are really lovely people like my aunt is almost i mean she's a she's a saintly person she really is a wonderful person my cousin is as well but you know they are out there like fight like literally trying to curb sex trafficking you know i mean they're they're doing you know uh, real things to to try and minimize it or limit, you know, and I'm, and I don't, I can't, you know, th- I don't have that ability. The, the only thing I have to offer are really weird stories about it, you know what I mean? But that's kind of the way I contribute, I guess. I don't know, you know, so all I got. Well, I mean, there's merit to that because as I'm sure that you know from them, I mean, that's something that isn't always, you know, it, people don't always realize how often it happens. And in particular for you to kind of look at the, uh, the concept of the recovery from it, of the aftermath, that it's not over just because somebody gets to go home. So that's, that's definitely one I want to um, pick up here shortly. I, I would like to read that. Yeah, it's good. I, I would say I, I've, that's gotten, I've gotten more fanfare from that story than anything I've, I've written. Um, I would, I would, I would say, which is, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't expect that. I'll, I'll put it that way. I didn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect that. It, you know, the, the biggest shock, to be honest, is when I said, well, first of all, uh, when Doug came to me with the concept of gutted, it explained to me kind of, you know, well, you just take the title gutted. And I was like, all right, so I'm probably not going to submit something that's warm and fuzzy. Um, you know what I mean? Like he was like he was like the brief is we want to we want to compile stories that make readers feel like their insides got scooped out. And so that's that's kind of, you know, and then those th- this whole idea had been, you know, stirring in my subconscious. So it just immediately popped. Right away told me, really, that's when the idea arose. And I, it took me a while to really get a, a handle on what the story should be. Um, but, uh, yeah, got it. Yeah, you don't write a warm and f- there's not many warm and fuzzy stories in that book. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it set out to achieve a goal and it did it with flying colors. <laughs> I remember when I saw the layout, or the table of contents, and they they put my story first, and I just immediately messaged Doug. I'm like, "Are you are you sure?" He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it definitely sets the tone." Like I said, I I remember when I read it because at that point, I believe the only thing that you had out at that time, I think it was still out, was uh, "We Are Monsters" when it originally was out with Sam Hain. So. I was used to that, and I like so I wasn't quite sure kind of what your next thing would be like. And I love that story, but it definitely took me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I need to probably get that one back out there somewhere. Anyway, I uh, I don't have enough for a collection, um, but I, I would like to get that story back in circulation. I need to think about that. 
Yeah, and um, it's kind of interesting that you said, you know, you didn't have reservations about that because, like, how you had mentioned that for a little bit you had kind of, like, hid who you were. And I was wondering if maybe that and then kind of getting away from that influenced a lot of your uh, fiction because, like, We Are Monsters and Will Haunt You, they both kind of have a heavy, like, psychological, like, internal sort of horror feel to them. And I was wondering if maybe that sort of stemmed from that or, you know, what kind of appealed to you about that sort of horror where it kind of... It goes with, like, some, in both of those, I think there's aspects of it where some of the characters can't really can't really trust themselves and kind of what they're seeing. Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I think more than anything, it, it comes from a, uh, a place of just ongoing introspection. It's like, I just can't, it's like, I've spent my whole life just in my own head. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and just wrestling with all these thoughts that, you know what I mean, or, you know, make sense or don't, you know, just trying to figure, you know, just understand uh, who I am and, and, and what my purpose is and, you know what I mean, the right way to live. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I can't have a conversation that's I can't do anything on the surface. You know what I mean? Like whenever I like when I meet someone, like immediately I'm asking like, hey, man, like what's your biggest fear? You know what I mean, they're like, dude, get this fucking weirdo away from me. So it's like. <laughs> You know, so so that's just, uh, you know, so I guess in, that's the, what I love about writing is it allows me to kind of sit there and, 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 and release all that stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like all yeah. my work is going to be somewhat introspective. And I think a lot of the work is meant to to uh, to create a sense of introspection or a space for introspection in the reader. Um, I You know, uh, a lot of times I, I the purpose of, the, of this work is to have people think of things in ways they haven't before. You know what I mean? Um, or things maybe they've taken for granted or just, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of beliefs that I thought were just forever beliefs that got completely obliterated throughout the course of my lifetime. And I think a lot of people are like, I mean, this is how the way things are. And and sometimes I think to tr- to take kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, just just to, to kind of rattle those 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 rigid beliefs sometimes is can be, you know, useful or interesting. So that's I think that's. Anyway, it's a it's a it's a lifelong sense of introspection and contemplation, I guess, is where a lot of that kind of psychological uh, nature of the work comes in. I think that really comes across and in, in will haunt you. And I, I mean, it's fresh in my mind because I actually just finished it about an hour ago. Mm. Um, oh. <laughs> but, just you know, like what what Jesse's talking about, you know, a number of times where it's like, you know, you're never actually alone. You can never get the voices in your head to stop talking. You can never get that, you know, that cycle to stop. And, and there's a whole lot of that going on with him and a whole lot of like internal struggle. And that, I mean, I feel like that also kind of translates to what's going on with his son and everything. And so that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to hear you say it like that. Cause yeah, it's, you know, I mean that, that kind of introspection is always going on. It's, it's almost impossible to turn off. So. Well, I wonder if that's the, I don't think that's the way for everyone. I think it's the way for most people, but I think, I don't know that everyone leans into it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 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 Some people meditate to try to get rid of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I do too. You know what I mean? I, I definitely yeah. do. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying like, I, there are, I, so I think it's natural to think, uh, here's my life experience. So, so this is, must be, a, everyone must be having a similar life experience until you yeah. have a conversation with certain people and you're like, they're not 
there's not, and I'm not being critical. I'm not, you know what I mean? Because everyone's just different. You know what I mean? And, and, and this sounds like a blessing in many ways. They're just not thinking in that way. You know what I mean? There's just not, I don't think there's that, that, that like hamster wheel that's going in their head. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, uh, and so, no, I don't, I don't think that is true for everyone, but it's true for a lot of people for sure. Um, and maybe some people are just having an easier time of, of, of blotting it out or drowning it out or just ignoring it. I don't know. It's well, I mean, it really, it, it spoke to me quite a bit because it's, that's, I mean, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like it, it does seem like it would be blissful to be able. So I, you know, I kind of work on trying to like find ways to at least kind of shut it off sometimes, you know, so that I don't have to be thinking about it while I'm trying to watch TV. But yeah, <laughs> I think that, I mean, that this was, I thought that was a really interesting element of that book. All right, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, the only thing that shuts it off for me is writing. That's the only thing that will shut my that will shut that those 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 like thought loops off. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's kind of cool how you mentioned that you know um, that a lot of the stuff comes from like introspection and reflection, and you kind of wanted to maybe have the readers feel that too, because I feel like with Will Haunt You, it kind of has like that meta narrative. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler because I'd put it in my review um, is that a lot of aspects of this book, it kind of like breaks the fourth wall and brings the reader into the story in a way. And I really like that uh, aspect of it that, you know, it was a very linear type of story, but that it kind of, it kind of almost tried to br- provoke the reader to like put themselves in that story in that kind of situation. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That you know that always works on me for whatever reason. I've always thought, and I don't know that the, the litmus test for Will haunt you is how superstitious the reader is. I could be yeah. completely off base with that. I'm incredibly superstitious, and I think it's it's ridiculous. And that's actually why I wrote the book. The almost the entire reason I wrote the book was just to kind of push my own buttons because, uh, like you know, for instance, uh, if you, if I had to go into the uh, you know a dark room right now and, and do uh, Bloody Mary, I, it would make me fucking nervous. And it's ridiculous. That's silly, but it's true. You know what I mean? There's there's just all these little like superstitious fears that I have. I you know I, I'm just neurotic that way. Like stepping on you know just all that little stuff, walking uh, underneath uh, ladders, you know breaking mirror, you know, and uh, and 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 so and so I pray that that's those are the levers I'm pu- I'm pushing in that book for sure. And I think if people have those kind of superstitious inclinations, that book's gonna kind of mess with them a little bit. And if they don't at all. Then it's just gonna it's just gonna fall you know it's it's not gonna work the same way. Um, but I don't know that for sure. That's just my kind of uh, that, that's what I suppose. Yeah, and um, I can't remember if it was like because I know we had talked to you a little bit um, prior to um, the release of Will Haunt You when we did the uh, Obsidio stuff and a little bit after too. I can't remember if it was with us or with like This Is Horror or where I read it and hopefully it's something that actually uh, you had said yeah. and I'm not just imagining it but I vaguely remember hearing you say something about Will Haunt You where you kind of I get magic isn't the right word but that's the only thing I could think of is that you like kind of used like real magic like in will haunt you and like the construction of it yeah well the first per- so before I wrote the book I, I I consulted with a uh like a witch um someone who you know who I'm friends with 
and who is heavily involved in occult magic. Um, just to kind of explain my intention with this book and how I could, I wanted to kind of create a relic, like a real relic. You know what I mean? Like it, there's, yeah. there's, there's, you know, obviously there's a story involved, but I wanted to try and create something that had a supernatural property to it. <laughs> Cause I'm fucking weird. And, um, uh, and, we're uh, all fucking weird, though. That's, weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why we all embraced that project so heavily. <laughs> so I did every, I, I did a lot. I, you know, I towed the line is, 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 so there's one place where just in the creation of that book and just in the way I, I, that, that I almost crossed a line, I felt like in terms of potentially subjecting people, if this, if there's any validity to, uh, you know, to other worldly entities or whatnot, uh, that, that I pulled back on that I, and, uh, and I was advised to do that, but you know, but yeah, I, I went pretty deep with that one. I did a lot of like voodoo shit with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny because, um, I know we've heard about it, but, uh, some of like our new listeners or people that are new to ink heist may not have, um, when we had, uh, when you had contact us about helping you promote it with uh, Obsidio, the sort of like tie-in prequel, there was like some very real weird stuff that happened to pretty much, I think, everybody that was like associated with that. So that's why I was kind of curious about that aspect of it. I was like, well, maybe it was some like residual stuff from that. Uh, you know, I mean, I, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I am skeptical, although I had an experience. I had a weird experience. You know what I mean? I, I won't get into it too much, but, you know what I mean? It's just, um, I, you know, I, I guess we talk. I'll, I'll just do it quickly. Like, so for those that aren't aware, uh, you know, I have this book out called Will Haunt You. And, 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 the, and it's basically I was trying to establish a new type of urban legend. Uh, but it's very similar to the movie The Ring. Basically, the book is uh, uh, created by a mysterious figure who preys upon the people who read it. So as you're reading the book, you're reading about the uh, what happened to the last person to read the book before you and your next. So it kind of has this, um, you know, so anyway, I needed to establish kind of an urban legend around this book that you were potentially going to be harmed by. And, uh, and the, the original title for Will Haunt You was Obsidio. Um, and, I, and I was discouraged from using that, but I'm glad I got to use it in, in kind of the tie in. Uh, but, but, you know, so I, so I create, I, I did this whole kind of backstory, uh, narrative that established the urban legend behind the book will haunt you by way of this book called Obsidio. I know it's maybe kind of confusing. It's all, it'll be made clear if you go to my website or you, you look at, uh, Obsidio, the story behind will haunt you. But, um, but yeah, there's some voodoo kind of aspects to the creation of, of that and, so a buddy of mine uh, who you guys know, uh, an author, Todd Kiesling, had created uh, the the design for this prop book, Obsidio, that I was using in, 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 in this this uh, this this narrative that I did. And, and I was kind of getting crunched for time. Like, it, you know, it was going to take me a lot of time to to do all the like I did all this photography and I created all this this fake website and I did all this stuff and it, and it was pretty time intensive in in it only had you know, i didn't have you know and i was up you know, i was doing it over the holidays so anyway I, I needed this thing to arrive to kind of uh, stay on schedule so todd i actually paid todd to overnight it and uh we both got an alert that the book had a, uh, had been you know had been delivered and you know you, you do the tracking it got delivered but it said it got delivered to the wrong house 
So I'm like, son of a bitch. You know what I mean? And, you know, I go out and I, you know, I look at my uh, mailbox. It's empty. There's nothing around. You know what I mean? I'm calling Todd. You know, I'm on the phone. So I call up the post office. I'm on the phone with them. They're trying to track it down. Um, and this goes on for hours. And, I'm, you know, in my office, is overlooks my, my, my mailbox. So it's like it's right there. Like it, 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 whenever a car pulls I'm on the, at a dead end. So if, when, when a car pulls up, I see it. You know what I mean? For sure. And especially I'm on hyper alert because I'm, I'm waiting for this thing to come. And, uh, and finally my wife gets home and I'm on the phone you know, I'm, I'm like stressed and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And she walks in with a package and she's like, Hey, this is for you. And I'm like, no, freak, what is it? You know, it, it was the book. And I'm like, where was this? She was like, it's in the mailbox. And I, of course something had to have, you know, the, the, the postman had to have come, I guess. You know what I mean? But I didn't see him come. And, uh, it was just very odd. It was just very odd. It's just one of many stories. If that was just the only story I would think is kind of goofy. And I still think it's kind of goofy, but, but it is true. People and Todd's a skeptic, man. Todd had an experience. He's a, he's a huge skeptic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I am too. I'm a major skeptic, but it was the, you know, I think you remember, I told you before you told me that story, I had basically the same damn experience with it, right. except my, my, tracker told me that it was sitting in my mailbox but it wasn't there yeah and then, same thing and then seven o'clock that night which our mail never comes that late i just got kind of go fuck it and for some reason go and open my mailbox and there it is sitting there like so, yeah i, I remember think, that i don't think i even opened it till the next morning after that <laughs> no well that's what's weird what's weird has been the, so the phenomena you know the, the you know alleged phenomena that is that is uh, associated with this book is that it 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 it, it moves and that's what's weird you know what i mean or, or it doesn't it's not where it's supposed to be so uh john foster uh who's another author who i'm friends with and you know a skeptical guy you know messaged me he's like bro I'm reading your book and it fucking it, it keeps like I keep losing it. And, and he had he had no prior knowledge of any of this stuff at all. I hadn't talked to him at all. Um, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, I've, I've heard it does that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. interesting as hell. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. It really is weird. You know, it, it, so it kind of goes to a theme of, of that book a little bit in that, you know, within that book. And I'm not trying to do a spoiler, but, you know, it's an occultist book. And it, it, within the book. Uh, I'm trying to have a confrontation with with something that's otherworldly, and uh, it and this is something I think about a lot actually is is what would a confrontation like that actually be like? Because I think a lot of times when we talk about like alien encounters or otherworldly encounters or demonic encounters, whatever, we put them through the lens or the framework of the construct of a human under you know what I mean like a, a human comprehension, which I think would be so foreign and so alien and, and so abstract to anything we, we we you know any reference point we have that that it, it you know it, it's beyond anything that we could really even imagine. And uh, and and oftentimes I I don't think that you know it would we would be able to communicate in a language we'd be communicating in a, you know, through phenomena or, you know what I mean? Or just, I don't know, you know, you finding, so, so it's interesting that, that there is a strange phenomena associated with the book because the, the otherworldliness within that book isn't necessarily comprehensible. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. Me. I think it does. I'm, like, I'm kind of staring at this book. That's like sitting next to me because I, while you guys were talking about that, like, I lost this book like six times in the last week, but I figured that it was because my kid was running off with it because he does that. But it's like even right like when I was finishing it, I asked my husband to find it and he had to look everywhere and it was like under 
six copies of Pete the Cat or something. So still, it was, you know, it was probably the toddler, but this is a little concerning now. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian screwed us all. We're all doomed when he, yeah. when he wrote that book. <laughs> he warned us so many times not to read the book. Yeah, and it's funny because like when when it had shown up um like the copy of obsidio um because when it showed up like my wife looked at it and like you know the the art that todd did was great and but it doesn't it's not necessarily overtly scary just on the surface but she took one look at that copy of obsidio which i believe had like the triangle and the eye on it if i remember correctly well, it has the eye, yeah. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah. And she and she was like, she's like, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> and like, that's all she did was just look at it. So, well, that was supposed to be the book. I mean, that was my vision. So, I mean, like, if I got to play out my vision in 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 you know exactly how it was supposed to be, you would have gotten the Obsidio book. It, 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 I didn't want to have my name associated with. It. I didn't want. I didn't think. I didn't want to have a. a I wanted to release that book. Uh, completely with, 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 without any sort of author attribution to it whatsoever. I wanted it to be a genuine relic, like a mystery. Yeah, that would but have been I, that would have been pretty interesting. I think had it had it gone that way. But even with kind of the two separate things, you know, I I still hear from you know other writers and stuff about like how you kind of promoted will haunt you and kind of like the little easter eggs in the book i don't want to tell anybody what they are because it's better when you find them yourself but like i still hear about that about like kind of the level of detail that you put into that from other writers readers that's nice no i appreciate that I, I, that's called ocd <laughs> but I I, I I i definitely appreciate that no i, I had a lot of fun uh in that world. I, that was a blast. That was the most fun I've ever had. Uh, that was the most, uh, creatively fulfilling project I've ever, uh, I've ever been a part of for, personally. It was fun. I, I, think, I loved it. I think it was a blast yeah. all around for everyone involved in, in putting that out and promoting it. And we all had fun. I appreciate that. That was, Except, yeah, that was a special few weeks. I, I felt like it, it felt like it brought people together in, in a, in a, in a healthy way, I thought. Yeah. You know I mean, like it, it felt like people were were you know were collaborating and and and, and you know I don't know. It just I, I felt if I everyone seemed to really appreciate that period of time. I, I felt yeah, like. I did yeah. too. And and what was even more gratifying to my twisted ass was those few <laughs> poor souls who thought that they were who thought that there was really something bad going on. <laughs> oh, did people buy into that? Oh, you were, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. There yeah, were a few people who, are you guys okay? <laughs> I, no, that was one of my favorite parts is when I, cause I, I had that all lined up. Like I knew it, you know, what's funny. I mean, like even before I approached everybody, I knew how everything was going to go or I, how I wanted everything to go. You know what I mean? So like, it's so, it's great to be able to, I, I'm not good at keeping secrets, but but there's so much fun when you're when we, we you know what I mean? when, when you're able to kind of have that big reveal. It, I don't know. I just got a kick out of it, you know, because, you know, I'm going to you know, there's going to be a reaction. You're just it's like you just lobbed a grenade. And you're like, I can't. It's going to explode. It's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, 
I, no, real quick, real quick. So with Will Hodge, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. So there was going to be so much more with that book. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever, you know, we won't, I won't dwell on this too much, but that book was originally written on spec for uh, Blumhouse Books. So they, they approached me ask, after We Are, uh, we Are Monsters asking if, uh, you know, to submit something. And, and I was working on something completely different at the time. It wasn't even horror. And uh, but I but I had this idea and I, I pitched them several ideas, but I, I, I did like a whole um, treatment for this one. I wrote like 50 pages. I did the whole thing. They're like, yeah, 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 we want it. We want it. Um, and then in the intervening time that I took to write it, everyone that I was working with left Blumhouse Books. So there was no one there to, to, to uh, submit to anymore. But, yeah, my, my vision for that was um, was literally was was to have a you know, was to establish the urban legend ahead of time in a creepypasta fashion. Because creepypastas are so believable. They are, at least they are to me. I mean, I think, you know, they, they've yeah. been done to, they, you know, they're so, people are so familiar with them now, they know the art form. But there was a period of time when creepypastas seemed like, you know, they really blurred the line between fiction and reality in a, in a really interesting way for me. It was always anonymous. And that's what, that's what did it. So, you know, I was going to have this creepypasta thing that kind of set up the urban legend behind the book. And then in my mind, I wanted to release the book. I wanted the book to follow, but completely anonymously, just to start to show the fuck up. You know what I mean? And it's such a weird book that, you know what I mean, that it, it, I think it would have delivered even harder had it been uh, absent an author. You know what I mean? It, it would have stoked people's curiosity yeah. even even more. But what uh, ultimately never happened with that book, and maybe it will down the line somewhere, is uh, there was supposed to be a, a third component to it where um, – you know, I so I drive people to a website, or I don't. You know, there is a website, there is a web link, and uh, yeah. and that li- that website was supposed to be coded in a way that would start after you visited it. Uh, I would start to follow you around the web, and I could. Uh, there's software that will allow me to pull like pictures off your Facebook, <laughs> and start to <laughs> send you <laughs> pictures of of your of yourself and your family, and, and and you know what I mean, whatever you have, and you know what I mean. Like I was gonna, you know. Oh, I had I had so many plans that that I just wasn't able to follow through on. Uh, um, you're tw- you're twisted yeah. to show him. <laughs> yeah, because I I that's what I didn't know if he wanted us to mention that, but that was one of those Easter eggs, and I I went to that website and I was like. Okay, I was like, this is kind of cool, and then I'm like, I wonder if like he did something with this website too. So that's kind of cool to hear that like you originally had those plans. No, I had that place. Then I had a um, for the ebook version, I had a dynamic page. So I had a page where you know where I'm breaking the fourth wall and I'm talking about like you, you know what I mean, like where you are and what you're doing, you know. And uh, yeah. but I, I I had like you know a name almost like ad libs you remember ad libs where it's like you know adjective yeah. or, you know blah 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 i had it like that and what was supposed to happen is uh you know because i would kind of crawl in into your life and know your digital you know uh, singer signature that it would populate based on who the fuck you are so you know what i mean it'd be like you know there you are sleeping next to your husband paul you know what i mean like you know what i mean because like i know that shit. like you know in in uh, you know in Iowa, it, you know, it, it was all going to fucking load and be be in, in, in be tailored to the reader of the book. <laughs> War of the world shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all doable. It's all so doable. That's what drove me crazy is I wasn't allowed to do it. Anyway. Uh, that would have been that would have been so incredible. Yeah, um, would have. Especially someone like I don't scare too easily, but that probably would have creeped me the fuck out if I was because I think I originally had read it through. I think I I can't remember if I originally read it 
on like Kindle or in paperback. But um, yeah, that would have creeped me the hell out for sure. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I I wrote it in a way. I mean, that's how it was written. Like, it broke my heart to have to just kind of, you know, make that a generic page. But, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But, um, yeah. (laughs) What made them cut that part of it? Was that, like, a cost issue? Was it, like, a was it a liability concern? Or was it just, like... Yeah, no, it was 100% liability, yeah. Yeah. I work for lawyers. That was what I was thinking. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic, but all of the liability. So, yeah. I wrestled. Yeah. I mean, I I wrestled with, you know, so when you talk about like, did you have any reservations about this was the only book I ever had reservations about doing, but I didn't. But I was like, if this, if if I do this exactly how I want to do this, there could be some negative ramifications. Like, there really could be some. This could harm people, you know what I mean? Like, or you know, and that that yeah, it gave me reservations, you know what I mean? Because that's that's the level I wanted to take it to, um, and not that I wanted to harm people, but I wanted to <laughs> take it to such a level that it that that was po- that was a possibility. And you I, wanted, I wish, yeah. yeah, you wanted to scare the hell out of people. Yeah, or 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 just have copycat. You know what I mean? I wanted to create. You know, I was interested in potentially creating an urban legend around this whole idea um, that maybe would take on a life of its own gotcha yeah and it's it's i was it's funny because you had brought it up um that was something i was going to ask you is about the whole uh creepypasta thing and you kind of already touched on it but i think one of the things that interested me about that is it was kind of almost like you said like people creating urban legends are kind of like guerrilla publishing in a way in that like a lot of, cause I read a ton of those on Reddit and yep. I usually suspend my disbelief and some of them, and they're from just everyday people, not people that people that might not even identify themselves as, you know, writers or authors or anything like that, but they craft like these stories. And I don't think I've ever really even read a quote unquote bad one. Like even people that don't associate with, you know, writing and they, that might've been the only thing they've done. Um, a lot of them really stick with you. And if you kind of suspend your disbelief and sometimes even if you don't, they kind of force you to, there's some really creepy ones out there. And I was wondering if that was part of, you know, what appealed to you about the whole creepy pasta thing. Yeah. I, I think that this whole project was, was, uh, really inspired by creepy pasta. Um, yeah, big time. I, you know, um, I think that was that, that you know, it, you know, it's funny. So Creepypasta and McKamey Manor. Do you all know McKamey Manor? No, I don't know that one. Uh, it's a uh, it's a um, interactive haunted house. It's t- uh, it's actually oh, really terrible. Yeah, it's like almost like a sadist. Like, I think. It, OK, it's, yeah. Yes, yeah, I know that one. Like, like operates and he puts out these two hour feature length films of people going through it and just basically getting um assaulted and abused it's it's really horrific it's it's bizarre and weird but anything it scared me so much that creepypasta and mckinney manor were the two of the bigger influences that 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 uh i drew from to write will haunt you strangely yeah i didn't recognize it by name but as soon as you started describing it i knew exactly uh what you were talking about and you know i like to think that i don't scare easy but after hearing about that place and like the fact that nobody's finished it like 
even Marines and stuff that have like undergone like training for like, you know, torture and stuff haven't finished it. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would ever even attempt to try and finish that uh, haunted house. Well, no, there's the whole, well, they don't have a safe word. I think they do now, but they didn't used to. And the whole notion of like, you think you want this, but you really don't, you know what I mean? Or you, or you think, you know what you're getting into, but you have no idea, uh, was frightening. Yeah. And uh, I'll go ahead, Shane. Were you going to say something? Oh, not, not really. I was just going to say, I think anybody who's ever, uh, been a teenager has had put themselves in that position at one time or another. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. You think you want to do this, but you're dead <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. So so Laurel, I, so you were literally just finished it an hour ago. I did, yes. I started I've I've had it for a little while and then uh when Shane said last week that you were gonna be on, I you know, I wanted to make sure I read it this week. Yeah. So but but I, I also have a toddler, so <laughs> I was getting like 30 pages in a night. So yeah, I, I got I kind of went and locked myself in my room after he went to bed and, and got to finish it. It's funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a pretty quick read. I, it's definitely the I, I would imagine it'll be the shortest novel I ever write. I, I like writing longer ones. The one I just finished is is pretty long. I love big I love long books. So um, I do too. So what did you what was the and yes, this was, I mean, this was a very quick read. That's one of the things that's like back in my prior, <laughs> my prior life, I would have, you know, finished it in like a day and a half. But, um, but yeah, so what is, what is the one that, uh, that you just finished? Can you talk about that at all? Or? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I'm doing the final edits on, I guess my latest novel, uh, which I don't know what I'm going to do with yet. <laughs> I got to get it done, I guess, first. Um, but um, yeah, I, I haven't talked too much about. It. I don't like to talk too much about stuff that hasn't been out there. Um, but it's it's a longer book. I you know I, I imagine it will wind up around 135 to 140,000 words. Um, I mean that's probably where it is now. So it just depends on on if I trim or or, or pad. Um, but I guess the 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 basic uh, summary for it is uh, it's a novel that takes place in a hospice center that's run by inmates in a maximum security penitentiary. So it's basically an environment where, um, you know, killers and, and, and hardened criminals are uh, trying to repent for their crimes or find purpose in life by helping other killers and hardened criminals pass on into the afterlife. Um, oh, yet wow. there, there is a uh, there are, you know, there is a or some, um, I guess, kind of psychic vampire type characters in this prison who who. Um, feed on the corruption of innocence and one is uh his host body is dying so he finds himself in this hospice but he's not quite ready to he's not quite ready to go so he's got to stir up some trouble that sounds excellent that sounds yeah. Great. you have to uh, figure out real quick what you're gonna do with it man because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't want to lay on to you know it's like when we're, when we're actually talking to you i know it's like embarrassing to throw a whole bunch all on you but like i mean this was you know will haunt you was my first experience with your writing and and you are a hell of a writer okay. and so just i mean that that combined with you know you have very inventive storytelling and and just the way you approach this so like i'm definitely very excited to read uh, we are monsters and also yeah what this this next one that you're working on sounds excellent so no i'm excited about it you know I, i've been uh I kind of gotten uh, distracted with other things, but I, I, I do want, I mean, 
you know, I want to get it finished as, as soon as I can. But this one kind of broke me. Um, you know, I think I was trying to uh, give John Teff a run for his money with the King of Pain for a little bit there. But, <laughs> but I, this one, this one, I, you know, I need to take a break after this one. This one really, I guess, whatever has been inside me that's like been hurting or whatever, or you know what I mean, or trying to get out. I think this got all of that out for a little bit. So it's like maybe I need to refill the reservoir because I got done with this one. I was like, man, I need to write something a little bit uh, more upbeat. I can imagine. My my sister is a, is a hospice nurse, has been for years, so I can imagine you uh, put yourself to the ringer writing something like that. Yeah, no, it's very much a meditation on death um, and just, you know, it, yeah, it's heavy, man. <laughs> my, uh, I mean, I've gotten great feedback on it so far, except for my wife, who's always my like first reader, my my best reader, and and she, I think it gave her an ulcer. <laughs> <laughs> now that seems like it should be in a blurb on the cover. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> a picture of her ulcer. This, I, that's what I'll do. We'll do an X-ray of the ulcer. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this book will do to you. <laughs> You'd be an overnight sensation. Yeah, I got done with it. I was like, I don't even know if this is entertainment. And and I actually, I think that about some of my stuff. But, um, but uh, yes, I mean, other people, people are as twisted as as us uh, find it entertaining. I guess. Um, But I need, I I needed to have some distance from it before I could really see what it is. Um. So yeah, Brian, since you're a horror writer, you get to write that story. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, it'd be the, the the surrealness of it, I think, is what I'd go for. Did you ever uh, watch uh, David Lynch's new movie? Um, oh, what's it called? I'm drawing a blank now, where he interviews the, the, the monkey. I heard about that the other day on Twitter. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, so, yeah. So great. I just, I don't know. I You know, it's funny. I, I didn't realize that I was like, I, I wrote surrealism until uh, I think Stephanie Whitevich is the one that was like, you know, you're you're a surrealist. And then I realized like all my favorite art is surrealist art. <laughs> and, you know, that's like that's I think everything comes through a pr- that that basic prism. But there's nothing that makes me that there's nothing I enjoy more than than just absurdity like that. It's just so wonderfully weird. Um, it is, it is wonderfully weird. I first got attracted to visual art through surrealism. And then, I mean, even, uh, we are monsters has quite a bit of uh, surreality to it as well. Absolutely. Well, definitely in that, the third act. Um, yeah. And that's what's so surprising, you know, so that was my first, that was, I mean, obviously my first release, but also the first book I ever wrote. And, uh, you know, in, in the first time I ever saw reader reactions and all that stuff. And to me, again, it took me surprise. I didn't I didn't set out to write surrealist stuff. I just that's just what I dig. Um, and I didn't like to with that in just my mind is kind of weird in that way that like that seems very, very kind of like uh, nuts and bolts ordinary to me. <laughs> so like when people are like. Oh my God, I got, you know, I, I couldn't follow like, or this, you know, this went so crazy. It totally took me by surprise because I thought that was like a literal transition. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's taken a lot of like me to step outside myself to realize kind of how far out there some of this stuff is. Um, because I, I don't know, it's just what I'm so familiar with. I'm so familiar with that art form. 
it's just kind of the lens your mind filters your creativity through yeah or it's just where i like to put my headspace that's where it's my happy place you know what i mean so it's like it's what i it's where i it's where i try and live the you know most of my life is in that weird uh, liminal realm so you're doing it the right way basically and writing the story that you want to read Yes, I write 100% right for myself. Anything else that happens is a total happy accident. I'm very, very grateful that that people want to read my work and and you know in, in that that it's out there in any uh, form whatsoever. But it, it, you know if 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 that all got cut off, uh, I I would be doing exactly what I'm doing because it's I 100% do, it's it's just again it's the only thing that quiets my mind. It's it's what I have to do. And that's the that's the position that the best of writer, writers approach it from. I think is writing the story that you want to read yourself. You're going to write yourself the best damn story you possibly can. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, because I mean, I don't plot. I don't outline. I don't do anything. So every day I sit down is is a surprise. You know what I mean? And then it's just it's a, it's it's you know some days it's it's a, it's hell. But most days it's it's wonderfully surprising and in, in you know in in you know it again and I don't feel like I'm doing it. That's that's the weird thing. My I guess my process is to try and like remove m- myself from the equation as much as I can, or like silence whatever my ego or my rational mind. You know what I mean? It, because I think there's this uh, the voice that comes from the subconscious that is that is that is that sounds foreign and alien to you know what I mean. And anyway, so. It, so whenever I'm able to tap into that and that kind of comes out on the page, I'm so delighted because it doesn't feel like anything I'm doing. And I'm, you know what I mean? And I can leave from the day being like, wow, that was entertaining as fuck. And, but I, I don't feel like I did it. You know what I mean? Which I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it feels. No, no, it does make total sense. It's more like you kind of let it do it, let it do it to you, so to speak. Yeah. It's just getting out of the oh. way. It's, it's, like yeah. the, it's just, you know, and that's what makes it fun. Um, most days and that's that's one of the hardest things I think for a writer to do I know for myself especially with fiction I struggle really badly to get the fuck out of my own way yeah yeah it's very very difficult that was I mean so writing I had a nervous breakdown writing We Are Monsters because I was so I I blocked myself completely Um, you know I was trying to write a novel and that was the fucking wrong way for me to write a novel you know what I mean like I had to just just try to have fun um and and it took me a long time to get to that place i it took me a lot of therapy <laughs> you know i had a I, I was in a rotten rotten i went through a really really bad uh spell during that during the the early stages of, of that, that book for that reason entirely because I was, I, I was just you know i was too much there um and i think that's something that you learn uh, you know it's like meditation it's like you know you, you meditate so that you can kind of silence that that uh you, you know that mind or or, or you know I don't know. I think there, it's a it's a it's a practice. And I've, I've I've become better at uh, um, removing my my r- kind of critical self from the equation, which helps. How does that work uh, from an organizational standpoint? I'm I'm curious because it's it's one of those like I you know I've done that in the past, but it ends up such a disorganized mess that all the editing takes forever. So I'm I'm just interested because this is I mean will haunt you is like extremely cohesive, you know it's it's out there but it's like it's definitely like a linear story so how do you how do you does your organization does this come across naturally as you're doing that 
Uh, w- one, I would argue that not everyone thinks it's a completely linear and cohesive story, but, but I do, and I, pre- I appreciate you saying that. Um, uh, secondly, I think it's all uh, – no, so um, – I think that what I let I let uh, stories stew for a long time, and I let them stew uh, in the subconscious. I think I think that's what's happening. You know what I mean? So like, I'll come up with an idea, and I'll, I'll really like the idea, and then I'm like, okay, this idea will probably be ready about a year or two from now, and uh, and I and I just and it, and I know the the ideas that I end up uh, acting on are the ones that stick around. You know what I mean? That I just that that keep popping up that I dream about. That, you know what I mean, that 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 lines of prose or phrases or whatever will, you know, or you care, you know, but but they never I, I can never get an idea and just start working on it. You know what I mean? Like my, my the work always comes about a year or two after the idea. So I think a lot of that is just it incubates so that when um, when it's time to to step, the subconscious knows what the story is supposed to be. I think, you know, what I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but I think that's true for me. So I it just kind of, like, uh, yeah, we've got like an internal outline process that you're like correct. unaware of your subconscious right. outlines it for you. Yes. So that when it's that's, that's really interesting. That's, that's as an, I've, I've never heard a process that comes across quite like that, but that, I mean, that that's clearly working. So that's very interesting. I mean, I, I will have a general arc, you know what I mean? I'll kind of say, so before I work on a story, I know it has, I know it, uh, I want to feel confident that it is a story. You know what I mean? That it's going to have a beginning, middle, and end, or that it will have some some uh, you know elements of conflict that that can that can give it legs or whatever. Um, but usually, the stuff that I, that that like those early ideas never make it into the finished uh, piece. It's like those are just those give me the the uh, the confidence to to proceed. But like so, I, I when I first started writing short stories, I out, I outlined the first several. Within the first paragraph, I was off the outline. So I'm like, this is just a waste of my time. I'm just wasting time. You know what I mean? Plus, I've, I've, I've learned that, and I think it, it does go back to this, my subconscious is smarter than my uh, conscious mind, that um, that uh, you know, it, it, like my best ideas come through the act of writing. So it's like my, my uh, outline ideas aren't, are, are, I'm not, aren't very exciting to me. You know what I mean? So it's like I have to sit down and start writing in order for story ideas to flow out of me, kind of, which is, uh, which is unnerving sometimes, but it's just, it's just <laughs> the process. Well, and that would take a lot of trust to just be able to, you know, be like, okay, yeah, I trust this process and we're going to do it. It's really cool. I think, yeah, and it's interesting to hear different writers talk about how those, how especially with long fiction, how they approach it. Because it's like uh, um, Lansdale's another one of those guys who doesn't have anything like an outline going. He just gets spark and sits down and starts making the story write itself. I've heard it told, I can't remember who it was. Um, it may have been Neil Gaiman or... Um I can't remember, you know, uh, forgive me for, for not giving the correct attribution, but that, you know, writing a novel in that manner is kind of like driving across country at night. It's like you can just see what's within your, um, uh, the headlights, you know what I mean? But you can, you can, you can go anywhere you need to get from there, you know what I mean? In that way. So it's like, you can't, you can just see what's next. You have no idea. You can't see the whole map. Um, but you can, you know, you can, you can cross the continent, uh, 
you know, you can have a great road trip uh, driving that way. Yeah, it's just I, and I think I can see that how that could be, but I also, I guess that's probably why I don't like to drive at night. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, you know, with Laurel there, I kind of like to have that map right there and know exactly how I'm getting to point B and that I will get there. <laughs> well, that's what's so beautiful about the, the subjectivity and the personal nature of the process. You know what I mean? That's why that's why uh, I think that, you know, what I love about writers, you know, in the community is, is there I think most everyone embraces that there's no one right way, that there are no rules that the best, you know, if there, if if there are rules, then, then everyone wants to break them anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, so I think, yeah, I mean, there is no right way. It's whatever works. Um, it's good too, because I barely know the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I never learned them. Yeah. I never had any formal training or, you know, education or training around writing other than basic English classes, just reading, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, and it's always interesting to hear people's processes and like cuz only recently like I've always written stuff, but only recently have I started taking it seriously and like actually sending stuff out there. But so far it's all been shorter stuff. So I always like to hear how people approach longer projects cuz for the shorter stuff that I've done I'm kind of in a similar way to, I guess, what they would consider pantsers or, you know, where you just kind of sit down and, you know, wherever it goes, it goes as long as you have the general idea. And I've thought about starting something longer, but I'm like, I don't know if I could do something longer in that same sort of format or if I'd have to try like an outline. There's only one way to find out, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've started it. I started it the pantser way, but uh, I don't know if it's gonna come out successfully that way, or if I should maybe, you know, do a mixture of both. But that's why it's always interesting to hear how people do it, because like through doing this podcast, that's one of the coolest things, and you know, hopefully, people listening get the same thing out of it. Is you know it's not necessarily going to work for everyone, but there's bits and pieces from different writers that we've talked to that, you know, it's kind of helped. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, funny, uh, you know, talking about, I, th- I, I think a lot of writers, I know I did start writing short fiction almost as like, you know, so if an author aspires to write a novel and starts by, starts by writing short fiction, it almost feels like practice. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're honing your craft in preparation of, of, you know, going, you know, it's almost like doing uh, smaller climbs before you go to Everest or whatever. Yeah. And uh, in my experience, they're totally different um, experiences. So like all that preparation through short fiction, while I enjoyed, you know, writing those stories, I don't, I don't know that they really properly prepared me for writing a novel i think if you want to write a novel you just gotta start writing a novel i think yeah Um, yeah i know laurel went straight to everest she didn't (laughs) take any of those little side climbs i I think that's smart yeah the first mountain was utter shit though so i mean (laughs) (laughs) you learned that way well it's funny because it's like i i but i agree with you i think they're a totally different art form because I've recently started trying to do some shorter fiction, but I didn't feel like that was something I could do because I felt like I could not fit 
a character arc and a story arc in that limited format. You know, I was like, no, I need a hundred thousand words to spread out. So it's, I mean, that's been interesting to try and fit that in. Yeah. That was even when you said, when you first interviewed with us, first time you were on the podcast, you said you didn't think you'd be writing any short stories anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, You you were like, yeah, what do you think about that? He said, yeah, we'll do it anyway. So I was like, well, fine. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm a firm believer in stepping outside your comfort zone. I think that's the only way you can uh, grow. So it's like, you know, you, you know, I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is, is, I mean, there is nothing bad that can happen. You just write something that you're not that happy with, then you move on. You know what I mean? But I, I think it, uh, I think anytime you stretch out your, uh, outside your comfort zone is a, is, is a good thing. So I think it's worthwhile. I, um, you know, that was when I was writing short fiction, I, I didn't think I could write characters because I didn't know how to fit them into a short story. Um, and it wasn't until I wrote We Are Monsters. And a lot of people, you know, uh, comment that they feel like I do, de- you know, okay characters. And, and it what, but it wasn't until I did longer form work that I was able to figure out, I think, how to how to kind of uh, flesh out a character. And then now I was now I'm able to kind of go back and, and do it in short form. I think better than I was before. But um, I needed that room to stretch out. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's hard. Short fiction is so hard, man. I, I got, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I got mad respect for people that do it really well. Like the Ray Bradbury's. Um, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that's probably one of the best short story writers who ever lived. Yeah, he's, a, yeah. Yeah, oh. you know, I mean, I, that, but I, that, so I, I, I grew up reading more of like Ray Bradbury and Richard Matheson and, you know, like, uh, you know, Rod Serling through the, Twilight Zone and, and Roald Dahl. I mean, those were kind of the people I was reading growing up, you know. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, yeah, yeah, those are all they were all on, on, on kind of a similar trip. But when you do speaking of characters and stretching out, though, when you do stretch out like you did with uh, We Are Monsters, um, there's a general consensus amongst the vast majority of readers and reviewers that uh, you've got the character development talent down pat. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, um, I, mean, I think that's, uh, I mean, I, I think that's the cornerstone of a story. I mean, that's the, the stories that I enjoy the most are the ones that I relate with or, you know, connect or, or whether I like them or not, you know what I mean? That, that, that I, I, I feel like I know the characters. Right. Right. And and it comes through, too. I mean, because it's like, I think Rich and I were talking about it. I'm not sure. But um, even with characters in We Are Monsters that you don't necessarily want to like. Yeah. You also end up with this sense of, yeah, but it's not that simple. Because we hear, we hear, you know, I mean, you start giving us pieces of backstory on these guys like, um, was it Drexler, Dr. Drexler? Yeah. Um, that all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, maybe he, there's a reason why he is the way he is. And it's hard to just say, yeah, this guy is a douche and write him off, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's... One of the, um, I think that's a, been a consistent theme in, in the things I write about is tr- 
is uh, trying to cast a sympathetic eye on people that you would typically abhor. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, I, I, forgiveness is is a big thing in my life. For uh, I have you know I grew up with a lot of. I guess like a fundamental Christian guilt, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, I, I, I crave forgiveness, you know, I crave acceptance and all that, you know what I mean? So it's like, so I want to cast forgiveness and acceptance across everyone else. And, uh, and so I'm trying to always find ways, ways to, to, um, to see how sympathetic I can be towards the people who we would typically deem, uh, least deserving. Yeah. And it's, that kind of comes across too, and uh, will haunt you to a degree with uh, Jesse. You know, uh, like some of the stuff that he's gone through. Like you kind of, when you kind of read it, like you don't necessarily abhor him, but you're like, man, that's kind of terrible. And then he goes through this journey, you know, and you start to see him in a bit of a different light as the story goes on and the things that he goes through. And you know, same thing with uh, We Are Monsters. Like Shane said, you start to think the one guy's kind of a jerk and you write him off. But then as you learn more about him and kind of see what he's about, you know, you don't you start to kind of come around a little bit. Like Shane said, it's not necessarily so black and white. Yeah, Jesse has been an interesting character from a I guess. Well, everything I write typically is polarizing like you know people people you know a lot of people you know are into it and a lot of people are are not into it at all you know what i mean like it's just i'm trying to find like you know it's hard to find an audience for this type of work you know what i mean it's 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 not it's not a very typical style of work i don't think um so you know what i mean so and there's and it's hard to like target you know do like a typical marketing campaign to find the weirdos out there like me who are into this type of weird <laughs> shit. I mean, like you kind of just, it's like trial and error, but um, it's so interesting to see the, the polar, you know, the, the, the polar opinions on Jesse, you know what I mean? People are like, man, I really connected with this person, you know, women, men, you know what I mean? Everything, you know, it's like, I totally related, you know, I can totally feel it. And then, you know, people are like, Oh, I could stay, you know what I mean? It's just so interesting to see. And I don't know what, is driving or, you know, I, I don't know what drives those opinions. I mean, I, I think they're all fair and valid. Um, you know what I mean? But, you know, um, and I, I don't think one, anyone should feel one way or the other towards him. It's just interesting to create a character that people have those, uh, you know, opposing opinions about. Um, and you know, really, you know I'll ahead. tell you what, what, um, what kind of turned the tables for me on Jesse was Cassie's acceptance. Mm. like that i mean i i thought that was interesting rich that you said you know that as you're going on you're like oh okay i see his journey it for me it was like more i don't know like i guess that's maybe a minor spoiler so i'll say spoiler but uh and i won't you know talk about what specifically they discussed but with cassie being able to accept what he'd done it's like it allowed him to accept it and then me as a reader i was like okay yeah you know so i think that's interesting yeah that people have different reasons that drive that how they felt about that character yeah yeah the whole polarization thing um it's you know well i guess how does someone go about fighting um a readership for for weird surrealist horror (laughs) (laughs) personality test maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah 
<laughs> well, it's funny because, um, like, there's a lot of similarities between the two books, but I, and even kind of talking to you prior to reading, you know, like, Will Haunt You, like, I wasn't really prepared for it, but I still, I still really liked it, and I guess, like, the only way you could market it is, you know, if people are willing to take those kind of leaps, because there are some similarities between the two, but they're also kind of vastly different, especially in, like, the execution of the two. Yeah, I feel like um, it was interesting because, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, when uh, We Are Monsters came out and kind of being taken off guard by, you know, how, how um, I guess, just pe- how off balance people were, were with the, the surrealist aspects of it. Or not, not everyone, but some people, you know what I mean? That, that's some people's favorite part of that book, you know what I mean? It's when it gets crazy. And, um, and so there was a real instinct to say, you know what? All right, this is turning a lot of people off. Um, you know, people seem to, most people generally seem to agree that this part is good and this other part is kind of splitting people up and, you know what I mean? And really turning people off. So why don't I just dial up the, the part that everyone likes and, and kind of, you know, dial down the people, you know, the part that, that is, is, is splitting people. And instead I like totally leaned into the part that like polarized everybody <laughs> and created a book that was like a hundred percent, the weird part of the other book. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, you know, and I don't know why I do that. You know what I mean? I don't know, but it's just, that's just kind of like, I don't know my whole life. I, I I'm not a, much of a conformist. It's like, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my, 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 the writer side of me is very subversive and I, I don't understand why, but, uh, but yeah, it was like, let's double down on, on the part that, that is getting me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, kind of circling back to something you said earlier about, uh, like your, the novel you just finished and how you were trying to give Taff a run for his money. <laughs> I I know you guys had uh, that like uh, collaboration thing going on, kind of like a, I think, I can't remember if it was you or John that described it as like spy versus spy. Yeah. I don't know like if you guys are still working on that, but it's, no, it's of, on hold right now. Yeah. I, we, we'll, we'll, we will do it. Um, yeah, just to kind of, you know, sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's, it's fine, I get bro. excited because I love that guy so much. And I love, you know, and this project really excites me. But, uh, yeah, he approached me. You know, we, we talked about doing a collaboration together. And then, you know, it struck me with the idea, you know, the Spy vs. Spy from, like, Mad uh, uh, Magazine. I don't know if you, you remember that. It was like, the t- I don't know what kind of creatures they were. But they were hell-bent on destroying each other. And they'd come up with the most, like, inventive ways to just yeah. cause problems for each other and try and annihilate one another. And I'm like... Why don't we write a book like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, we create the, 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 the you know, we, we, we set the stage and we, we, you know, and we, and we create this cast of characters and then you pick some and I'll pick some and in your job is destroyed me and my job is to destroy you or put you in as much, pro, you know, trouble as, as I can and you have to find your way out of it and put me, you know, and, and, and we'll, and we'll not compete, we'll kind of compete, but more is very competitive, combative uh, approach to, to collaborating. Um, and, and I love it. I, we, we got so complex with the idea. The idea that we want to write is really, really, really complicated and complex. And like, do you ever read uh, David Mitchell's uh, Cloud Atlas? Yes. So it's like a horror version of that, but even like maybe even more. Com- I mean, not more. I don't know. It's really complex. So uh, so it's just going to take time <laughs> because I started writing it and I, I, I called him. I go, Taft, dude, this is 
I, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> he goes, yeah, let's take time. Take take as much time as you want. Because, I, you know, going back to like needing these things to incubate, I just, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't ready yet. Um, you know, I just didn't feel it clicking like I, I, I need it to. So, uh, so we're going to wait for, for the right time. But I can tell it's got you engaged enough. It sounds like it will click. Eventually. It will. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I've been brewing on this thing for a while, and, uh, and, it, and all the pieces are there. It's just complex. It's just, you know, I just got to, it's, it's just, yeah. The, the, the final piece hasn't fallen in place. Once the final piece falls, in uh, the, the timing, you know, anyway, I'll know when the right time is. I, I, I'm fortunate that I have a pretty decent, like, gut <laughs> in the, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, I'll be like, dude, I just wrote the first uh, act. Here it is. You'll be like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> my turn <laughs> and he's such a pro he, he dude nothing he can write the whole th- i mean this is i'm the one holding it up not him uh and he's a juggler too he's got so many different little <laughs> side projects going at any given time yeah but uh but you know i'm i'm with you on the when it comes to anytime someone wants to talk about john taff i love that guy to the moon <laughs> and back you know. it's the best He's the best. Yeah. I, 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 teasingly, but I mean it. I call him my soul brother. I've never met he. So I mean, I've never met anyone in my life that thinks like me. He does. Like, like I, I went out and I stayed with him at his house, and just when we talk, like, like I get along with a lot of people. I have a lot of, you know, like, I, you know, friends and family. I love, you know, like everything is. I have great relationships, but I, there's always this line where I'm like, ah, I know you're not able to kind of cross. You know, I, I know you're not fully following where I'm going or you know what I mean? Or like, and I'm not trying to say that I'm, but it's just, it's just the, the way it is. And, and he will complete, you know, now this sounds cheesy, but he completes my sentences. No, but uh, he does. He like, <laughs> <laughs> he just, he, we're so on the same wavelength. I've never met anyone, you know, it is so um, comforting to be around someone like that. It's like, you know, we, especially when you kind of feel like a little bit of an outcast, just the way your mind works, you know, to, to find someone else whose mind works the exact same way. Oh, He's the best, and he's just—he's just the best. And it's kind of like you know, in this, it, when it comes to this particular genre, if you really, really, really um, want to embrace who you are and just be yourself, you're always going to be a fucking outcast to ninety percent of the people. <laughs> what about uh, you, Laurel? So you—you uh, you work at a at a law firm, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm a paralegal. So do they know that what you write? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to to an extent, a couple of them, <laughs> a couple of them have read it. Um, I saw that post from Keelan Patrick Burke the other day. That's like, I write horror, but when I'm in public, it's like, oh, I write mysteries. And yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, or dark thriller, thrillers. Yeah, they they're they're very supportive and very nice, but they did start calling it zombie porn, and yeah. <laughs> nothing that I can do can make them stop saying that. So that's cool. Yeah, you gotta embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a, it reminds me of that uh, scene in Cool Hand Luke when he says, "What we have here is a failure to communicate." Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie porn. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't read it. <laughs> well, I'll never forget uh, my my grandmother. Uh, what you know? So uh, my grandmother, on my father's side, um, her and I were incredibly close, and uh, she really, really fundamentalist uh, Christian. You know what I mean? Very, very conservative upbringing. Um, you know, 
didn't drink, didn't swear, you know, uh, and but was incredibly supportive of my writing. And I remember I got a short story published in a uh, in a magazine called Necrotic Tissue. She called me up. She's like, oh, Brian, I heard you got a new story published. Like, I just want to hear all about it. I'm like, she's like, so where was it? Can I read it? I'm like, yeah, it's in a uh, magazine called uh, Necrotic Tissue. <laughs> she's like, now what is that? And I'm like, oh, well, that's like uh, dead flesh. Like when, the, like when your flesh dies, it, it like goes into necrosis. So it's like, it's basically named after like, like the death, like the, the dying of flesh, basically, is what the magazine's named after. And for the first time in her life, she swore. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, right. She's like, well, that sounds interesting. I actually, I actually remember that magazine. Yeah, it went bad. Yeah. <laughs> Used to, used to stock it at Powell's right here in town. Um, that story's just never going to drift out of my mind. <laughs> it was great. It was great. But that's why she loved me, because I just I was like, eh, it's what it is. It is, what? yeah. I love that you just embrace it. You're like, yeah, it's dead flesh, Grandma. It's dead flesh. <laughs> yeah. I, tried to be, I remember at that time, I was like, I'm just going to be totally literal. <laughs> It's like, it's like when your flesh dies and starts to rot. Yeah. Rotting of human bodies, kind of. Like, I guess she was like, I mean, how would he name it that? I'm like, I don't know. Well, I think. <laughs> oh, I, that makes me laugh so much because, uh, like, when I try and tell people, like, that in my family about like what I, they'll be like, Oh, what are you reading? I try and like explain to them the story or if I tell them what I'm like writing or whatever, like sometimes the looks you get, it's just, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, I, I, fortunately, I, I will say that the more you embrace it, I think the more other people will as well. You know what I mean? It's like, if yeah. you act like it's, there's something wrong with it, then people are going to pounce on that. You know what I mean? If you totally own it, yeah. yeah. People will get on board, I think. I agree. I agree. And it's kind of like, I mean, we've had the conversation over and over. People are probably getting tired of the broken record, but <laughs> right now horror is in um, what I think of as a major boom. You know, so it's, it's more popular right now than it has been in a long time. And it seems to only steadily be increasing and getting better that way. Yeah, I wish the book uh, gatekeepers would would get on board with that. I mean, I I, I agree that the quality of work is un- incredible. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it, but w- when you look at like, you know, and you know, listen, I will never make any money doing this, and I don't care. That's okay. You know what I mean? But it's like where the money, you know. So in films, uh, horror is killing it. You know what I mean? Like the most profitable movies are horror films, right? I. I just, you know, and I'm sure this is this is uh, well-tread territory as well. But I don't understand how, uh, you know, large publishers don't appreciate the demand for horror. It's it's mind-boggling to me. It's like if I wanted to give a sales presentation, it's the easiest sales presentation I could give ever. You know what I mean? I would just say, hey, the most, the highest-grossing movies, the most profitable movies, are blah 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 blah, all horror. You know who the uh, the the most you know, the, the the biggest novelist in the world is? Yeah, he's a horror right. author. 
You know what I mean? Like, it just it, it, it seems like such a slam dunk. It seems so dummy proof. And yet, you know what I mean? We're anyway, I don't understand it. I don't I, I don't I don't get it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. And actually, I mean, like, that's I was so impressed that Sean Hamill, you know, managed to get um, with a who, who yeah. did he get published with was that was with a, a pretty I want I want to say Pantheon, but I could be wrong. I, I just know that, like, they, I mean, Whispers in the Dark actually got in front of, like, I think at least the majority of the big five, like, somebody read it. Um, and everyone was just like, yeah, I mean, cool story, but we can't sell horror. And I was like, oh. So it's like when Sean, you know, got through, I was like, yes, we got one through. Yes. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we can yeah. get more. And it, it was Pantheon Books. Rich is correct about that. I'm honestly kind of stunned that I got that correct because I was going to say something else at first, but I'm pretty fucking stunned too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind of going off what you said, Brian, like I've always said that too, like, and you know, like horror films, like how they do so well, you know, not to piss anybody off who likes like the big franchises, but a lot of times you see like a lot of reboots and, you know, whatever else you want to call them reboots remakes whatever but um and it's starting to kind of change but i'm like there's so many great horror stories out there that could be adapted that you know like like taft's netflix campaign (laughs) (laughs) i hope that goes well but yeah like i think uh i think even too i think ron malfi's bone white's being adapted like, I hope that trend continues, like, you know, that more of these authors that are in the horror genre, like, their work's adapted, because there's a lot of great stories out there, rather than, you know, relying on remakes or reboots or stuff like that. Well, there's right. no question. I mean, it's such fertile ground. And again, the pro- like, it's not just, like, we're not just supposing this. It, the, the, like, we have the proof. Jeff uh, Mallerman's, uh, uh, you know, Bird Box was wasn't it the highest, like the most viewed Netflix movie ever or something. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like th- we have the numbers to back it up. It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you, you I mean, I, one, I, I think the the most original uh, 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 films being made or horror films. I, I think, yeah. you know, at least the ones that I'm paying attention to. And yeah, some of the most imaginative stories are in indie horror. You know what I mean? The, all you could, I mean, they could spend, I mean, they would be set for years just picking some of the, the, the you know, some of the amazing titles that, that they have to pull from. Yeah, I agree with you there. And like there's been and too like it's kind of weird, like you said, the dichotomy between the two, like because, you know, horror films have been doing well and they get like major award recognitions. But like you said, and Laurel has said, for some reason, publishers are like, yeah, we can't really sell horror. Well, then I blame the buyers. You know, and I don't mean the consumers. I mean, yeah. the, the, the stores. You know what I mean? So so if they can't say, you know, I, I, anyway, I just think it's. Ultimately, that whole thing is is collapsing. I think you know what I mean. Like I'll be shocked yeah. if if we have uh, you know Barnes and Noble is around in six seven years. You know what I mean. Like I love 
stores, bookstores, love them. You know what I mean? But I think we're going to go to more of a, a boutique model. Um, I mean, uh, anyway, you know what I mean? And, and just, yeah. I don't know. I, don't, you I know. agree. I agree. I, I don't think stores like Powell's have anything to worry about anytime soon, really. But they are kind of like Superstore Boutique, you know. So, um, But most of those brick-and-mortar places, I agree, they're, they're uh, taking their last breaths just like Borders did before them. I, yeah, and I love it. I, I preferred Borders over uh, Barnes and Noble. Back, uh, they had more of a horror <laughs> section. I guess that's why. But it's just you know, think about it. It's, it's a clunky browsing experience. It's like you know, if you want to go shop, uh, you know, you could go to a clothing store and you can look and say like, yeah, it looks like a good shirt. You know, I mean, maybe I could try that one on. When you're browsing spines of titles and authors who most of which you're not familiar with, what the fuck do you do with that? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not, you know, you need someone, a curator or someone that's going to help you, you know, guide you to find what you want. Otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it burdens some browsing experience. But I was just in a, a, a bookstore today, a small one, a little boutique that had so much great stuff. And stuff uh-huh. by uh, Victor Laval. You know what I mean? It had, um, you know, it had a bunch of, uh, 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 small press, uh, uh, well, I guess he's not really small press, but stuff that, that is within our, our world you know what i mean and i was just so delighted to see it you know what i mean so so people are aware you know what i mean i mean maybe we need to do a better job of of marketing ourselves i, I don't know you know what i mean i uh i definitely think there's a demand i think there that that it, it, um if people i think the work is good so it's just you know what i mean it's just making people you know increasing the awareness for it because you know and people go ahead and like you said, getting the gatekeepers out of the way, and you know, I yes. won't name anyone, <laughs> Amazon, but you know, <laughs> certain uh, purveyors, large purveyors of books, tend to shy away from it still through some political prejudice or some, you know, inborn old school attitude that doesn't apply anymore, you know, and so they they get in the way, just like the big publishing houses do. Does Amazon is it Amazon prejudice uh, against uh, horror? I guess I, I know they are against like uh, very graphic covers. More against indie. I mean, they'll. They, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. They do everything in their power to su- suppress the less expensive indie titles and push those big mainstream titles. You know, and, um, as is evidenced by the Goodreads Choice Awards every year. Yeah, seriously, right. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I, I, I'm in, totally in favor of a model shift. You know, I'll go ahead and say this now because I'm not going to do it anymore, or I'll do it farther down the line. So, um, and this is an, an original idea to me. In fact, uh, there are other people doing this. And when I came about it was from a post that um, Tim Wagoner made. I want to say back in 2014. But um, I'm really intrigued by the the co-op, co-op model. I want to see authors, uh, uh, you know, take back. V- kind of, their, you know, their agency around publishing. And uh, what I would love to see happen is is authors form, you know, embrace a cooperative model of publishing where they all, you know, let's say you get 12 authors that come together who are all, you know, similar, but they each have, a, uh, you know, a distinct voice or whatnot and, uh, you know, pull the resources together to uh, use economy to sc- of scale to drive down the cost of services that they all want to use. So it's like if you go to an editor 
for yourself, you're going to pay X. If you give an editor 12 jobs, you're going to pay a little less, right? You know, same with the cover artist, same with, uh, you know, formatting, same with, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I would love to see publishing become author driven through these uh, 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 co-op models. And then it would be uh, uh, collaborative in that, let's say there is a horror, you know, there, let's say there's a psychological horror co-op. And then there's like a, uh, you know, a uh you know, more visceral horror, you know, just different branches of, of, of horror or the, you know, sci-fi or whatnot. And then you can kind of help cross promote. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, if you like our stuff, you might also like their stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I think there's, a, there's an interesting model there that would take the hands out of these, um, these gatekeepers, you know what I mean? And that, that are doing less and less uh, work on our behalf. And it would, and it makes sense too, from the standpoint of, one of the big arguments you see going on on social media these days is, should I pay a professional editor? Should I pay a professional cover artist? And a lot of us have been called elitist for saying, fuck yes, she should. But what you propose would actually make it a little bit more attainable for a broader range of authors, too. Uh, well, I think so. I haven't seen those arguments. I, I guess I'm well-shielded <laughs> online. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to see them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. You know, I don't want to get myself in trouble. I just, I'm trying to understand the logic of. Um, I don't want to pay a professional to do a job. If I, so how can you consider yourself a professional, but you don't want to pr- pay a professional? Uh, anyway, I don't understand. Yeah. It's, a rabbit, yeah, it's a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. It's <laughs> yeah. Michael Hicks and Lillian, they're all gatekeepers, and you know we're all keeping everyone out of writing because I, the the comparison one one of the girls made was like, so I mean, some people have to choose between groceries or an editor. I'm like, oh, I mean, publishing a book is not like a basic survival right. You right. might want to chill on that for a minute until you can afford to actually do it correctly. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I'll take it a step. I'll put it this way. And again, I'm a little uh, different, but um, so I, I, I'm in the process of writing. Actually, the, the second book I wrote, um, you know, as yet unpu- uh, unpublished, is a hybrid novel. It's a novel that is both, you know, something that you read and something you experience as as uh, through uh, virtual reality technology. And it's written that way. And uh, the next few, the next, my next project is a series of middle grade fiction that is very um, uh, uh, multimedia, interactive. You read, but you also use a tablet. You do all these things, you know. And they're so expensive. They're so expensive. So um, you know what I've done, and you're going to see this in about, I guess mid mid March. I've created a company from scratch uh, where I, I I've invented a new product that I'm going to try and sell. To, to, to make money that I can use to to fund the creation of the content for these uh, these uh, uh, story projects so so you do what you've got to do <laughs> you know what I mean I guess <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, you know I don't know you know I mean you know writers are blessed with creativity and imagination you know what I mean and that can be used in a number of ways um, you know what I mean so I don't know I don't know but uh but yeah, so so in about a month and a half, when you see this really bizarre new company that I've created, um, know that it's almost entirely to fund really bizarre shit. 
<laughs> so a worthy venture in other words yeah a very worthy venture it's, it's 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 a you know a lot of work but yeah anyway this is going to crack people up i swear I, I can't wait to talk about like you know holding secrets this is a big one <laughs> i know i'm sitting there going i need to talk to him offline about this and see how I can get <laughs> yeah. oh you'll see i swear to god and when and when you when it pops you'll be like Give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> It'll be the last thing you expect. It already sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had the same thought as Shane. I was like, I have to know what this is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't mean to diminish. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing in a big way. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, there are real, you know, it's fucking, you know, people. You know, times are tough. No, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. If you're going to put a – let's not get into it. I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm far from getting myself in trouble. If you don't hire an editor and a cover artist, you're kind of a fool because nobody's going to want to read your fucking books. Hey, I get, yeah, I mean, I just don't well, – it's just not – anyway, I don't, it, it feels yeah. like you're not respecting the process or the yeah. reader or the buyer or the – you know, or yourself. Well, I mean, the, the, the way that I like it is like, yeah, you don't have to do any of those things. And then no one has to read your piece of shit. So <laughs> we're all, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all anarchists. Yay. <laughs> do what you want. Hopefully. Or <laughs> learn how to make really, I wish I could make, I can't, you know what I mean? Like Todd Keesling drives me fucking nuts. Cause he's so multi-talented. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, yeah. he, I mean, uh, I wish I had those skills. I don't, but that's why I hire people like Todd Keesling. You know what I mean? Um, anyway. And yeah, but if and if you don't, you know, I mean, a lot of people like to say, no, I don't judge a book by its cover. But what you're actually judging is somebody's willingness to put the effort into it, even if they have to wait and save their fucking pennies for several years to finish the job, you know. Um, and readers, even if they're not thinking that consciously, they see that you didn't put the effort into it and it doesn't give them any faith in your story. You know, and I know people hate that opinion from me sometimes, but there it is. I am who I am. <laughs> yeah, again, I, you know, it may be, you know, I won't be as, as shielded after this. I just, I just haven't seen those arguments. I, I literally I've never seen someone say uh, you don't need to that, that cover art or edit, uh, editing isn't important. Yeah. I just I've never seen that. But anyway. I'm laughing at myself because I told you, no, you don't want to go there. And then I fucking spend the next <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 30 Shane, minutes. <laughs> Shane, Shane tried to force you there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because Todd kind of touched on it in that like one on one episode that he did with Shane. Um, which that was a kind of a weird coincidence. Like Shane didn't plan to have him on right before you, but um, like he, he mentioned that, you know, there are people that are willing to work with you on those things, whether it be editing or cover art. Oh, you mean on like, um, like kind of like, like a spec. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Or, you know, or you go, you know, so yes. So there are multiple, multiple ways to go about that one. Um, for the most part, if someone is 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 a cover, uh, uh, you know, a cover artist for horror, they're not rich. You know what I mean? So they're like, yeah. you know what I mean? They're like you. They're like us. They're going to, you know what I mean? Like they're happy to do that. They're doing it out of love. They do it because they love to do it. And, uh, and, they're, and they're willing to work with you. And yeah, if it's going to take, you know, 
payments over, you know, I would imagine you can have an arrangement that that will get you a great cover and that you'll be able to to, you know, find a way to to make financially feasible. Secondly, um, find an, you know, a, a design school near you. You know what I mean? Like you find someone young and hungry in, 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 in you know, anyway, there, there are always yeah. uh, ways yeah. to go. And if you look into even even artists like um, Keelan Burke, he's pretty damn successful at it he's got a lot of big name authors that buy covers from him on a regular basis including like bentley little um and if you go to his elder lemon designs however you say that elder lemon whatever (laughs) (laughs) um if you go to his website you'll be shocked at how cheap a lot of his covers are well, yeah, because there's a market price for it. I mean, because the reality is, is what do we pay? Right. Exactly. Uh, and he gets that. He's a writer, too. So Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, to be honest, all that stuff is undervalued. You know, all you know, I, I know what you can pay. I know what it costs to get cover art for a horror novel. And in the amount of work that they put into it and the, and the, and the talent that they're bringing to it uh, is worth more, um, I think. I do too, because like well, the thing, the point you touched on before, they're bringing the passion to it in place of the desire to get rich doing it, because it's, they're never going to. Yeah, I mean, um, I, one of my neighbors. I don't know if you guys uh, know uh, 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 Lynn Hansen, uh, Jeff uh, Strand's wife. Um, she lives. They live uh, like a couple blocks from me. We hang out all the time, and uh, I mean, you know. You're not going to find someone that is is more committed to what they do than she is. You know what I mean? And and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she she will, you know, she's she does it because she loves it. Yeah, I'm familiar with the name. I hadn't, I didn't realize that she was uh, Jeff Strand's wife, but yeah, yeah, no, they're great. Um, yeah, literally. So they moved into to Atlanta like two years ago, maybe. And I didn't know them. I mean, I, I, I'd seen them at you know, conventions and stuff, and I hadn't spent a whole lot of time with them. But I was like, wow, you know. So I was like, I just reached out and I said, hey, if you, you need any help, uh, you know, unloading your, your truck or whatever, I'd be happy to, you know, I, you know, I live here. And they're like, sure. <laughs> so uh, they sent their address. And, I, you know, I plugged my their address into GPS, and I was about, you know, drive over there. And I realized it was like. I was like, it would be a waste of time to drive over there. I just hopped on my bike. <laughs> I was there in like five minutes. <laughs> We're literally right down the street. We, we go to lunch every Wednesday. It's great. Right on. Right yeah. on. He's a he's an intriguing guy. He's got a a beautifully strange mind. Oh, he's great. Yeah, just great. He and he's he's uh he's you know he's just he. I love how he. So whenever I'm like struggling with how to make sense of something, you know what I mean? Whether it's politics or just like. You know, or just, you know, whatever. He always has this, like, he, he can just summarize something in one or two sentences. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. That makes it. That's a rational. That makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he's got a handle on things. <laughs> For how deranged his mind is, he's got a, he's got a pretty uh, <laughs> a, a I think he soaks a lot in. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those quiet types that's always listening. You know. And and so whatever he speaks, it, it, it like it's always pretty. There's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of substance to it. Sorry, I'm sitting here talking at my uh, muted microphone. I do this a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rich, Rich and Laurel are getting used to it, and anybody who listens to us is like, well, I wonder when I've been waiting to take this shot. Is that fucker ever going to mute his microphone? <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm curious about is why you're mute, uh, muting the microphone. Um, because I type a lot, and okay. I don't like I'm self-conscious about someone hearing me hit my vape or, or my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally. You're in uh, Portland, right? Yes, I am. That's totally legal. So I may be hitting my <laughs> my tobacco vape, or I may be hitting something else. You never know. <laughs> Actually, you pretty much always fucking know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do uh, oh, Laurel, where are you, Laurel? I'm in Kentucky. What about you, Rich? I'm in uh, Central New York. Is, is it legal? Is weed legal there? No, they're they're try they tried last year and it failed and uh, they're gonna try again this year. Do you, uh, um, Shane? Do you do you uh, do you prefer to write uh, high? Um, honestly, it really it really depends on the definition of high. I don't mind to be a little bit buzzed and try to write. Um, I can be really buzzed and write poetry but mm. I, I've been doing that for a lot more years if I try to sit down and write fiction and I'm too stoned it's just like uh. <laughs> 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 and it's like I'll write a whole story in my head and then forget it all the next day because I didn't bother to write it down you know <laughs> I found it's a, uh, I, I write completely sober which actually might surprise a lot of people like I've had a lot of uh, reviews that are like I don't know what he's on you know but it, I write completely sober <laughs> but uh, but I will um, I, I find it a useful tool to edit so it's funny like I don't know if you've ever you know gotten stoned and watched a movie and all of a sudden like the like you can like the acting seems really bad or like you know like it seems like sometimes when you get really stoned you can see uh, artificial like art of whatever anything that's artificial seems really glaring you know what I mean like yeah. it, in, in a way that you you wouldn't notice it be, uh, otherwise. So I find it to be a, a really useful editing tool because it helps me uh, see the like the the silly clever shit that I'm trying to do that just you know what I mean it's just ego or you know or just uh, I don't know it, it feels like I'm almost a better reader for myself. <laughs> That's kind of interesting too because I had I hadn't really ever noticed I was doing that but I'm almost always stoned when I edit anything. Mm-hmm. And I'll always, it's almost always something I thought was fucking brilliant when I wrote it sober. And then I'll see it. And like you say, you just have a little bit of a different perspective on things or something. You see things, like you say, same thing with movies or anything like that. I'll catch shit that didn't bother me before. Um, but with my own writing, it's always something that was brilliant the day before. <laughs> I know it's a useful tool. The problem is, um, so I grew up, you know, a huge stoner. And then um, it, it took a, I mean, like it makes me really, really uncomfortable now. Um, you know, and again, I, I'm in Georgia, so I can only get what I can get. You know, um, I'm sure there's a there's a strain or whatever, but 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 so it's 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 very uh, unpleasant for me to do now. But I will I will <laughs> I do it to edit my fiction. <laughs> Like I just like white knuckle. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm, you know, like, you know, but uh, but I feel it's very useful for for whatever reason. That's interesting. I think uh, that's incredible. 
I finally got to inter- interrupt Laurel. I've been doing it for a week now. Laura, what were you going to say? Oh, just that, I, I mean, that's, that's, that might be like the most useful technical advice that I've ever gotten because I'm, so, I am so bad at editing my own work and yeah, I have not, I've not uh, gotten stoned since probably I was like 23 because it was the same thing. Like I started, instead of being relaxed, I would get like really uncomfortable. So I might just have to like hit up my, my stepson or something and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I would give it a try. I, I honestly believe it is a useful tool for, for editing. I, I, you know, I stand by it. And again, it is not pleasant. I have like, I wish it I mean, I want it to be. Yeah. It, it, it turned on me too. It's like, I, I remember the day I was, you know, my wife and I were going to like watch some rom-com. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'll probably get a little stoned for this or whatever. And uh, if the next thing I know, I was like, I was like, con- like totally ridiculing my ridiculing my whole life. Like, you know, what I mean, thinking about like all the shit that I've ever done, like that I regret. I'm like, my God, I'm a fucking terrible person. What have I done? I'm not working hard nearly. I'm like, all I wanted to do was like giggle a little bit at this movie. Then like, like, on, it's like it's been a struggle. I bet I, you know, the funny thing is I'm the same way. It's just uh, when it, when they legalize it in you guys' states, just give me a call and I'll let you know exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Uber anti-anxiety. Because it's yeah, because I go, I I suffer from bad anxiety anyway, and if I if I go in the wrong direction with weed, it'll sit, it'll I'll be a fetal ball in the corner before the night's over. <laughs> Rich, I, I imagine you don't dabble. You don't seem like the type that dabbles. Me? Me, yeah. Brian? Talking about you, Rich. Uh, I have. Not in a very long time, but uh, I did when I was in college. You know what's funny is uh, I, I found that to be fairly common in the, in, in the uh, horror writer industry. Like, you would think it's a bunch of, like, uh, you know, like a bunch of people just – doing whatever everyone's pretty like straight and narrow yeah i'd say it is surprising too yeah you're right about that is very few people that i talk to in the industry are actually users oh very few i don't know many um even i mean there are a lot more drinkers but even there there are not as many as there were when i was a much younger man yeah oh at the conventions it's 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 um it's not downplayed but i mean I think there there's a lot of um, I want I, I think people are very cognizant about wanting to make sure everyone feels comfortable and I think that's a great thing you know what I mean and so I think that that, that has dampened some of the party um, aspects you know what I mean that probably went on more in the 80s or in 90s that 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 is you know happening now. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. For one thing, it was just much more of a just par for the course thing when people gathered back then to also Mm -hmm. drink, you know, publicly and regardless of the event, you know, and now you kind of got the bar con and the room con and then you've got the actual con where everybody kind of maintains. Yeah, I'd probably be a bit more of a bar con person, honestly. (laughs) I would too. I, yeah, I am. 
I am. That's a. It's like, yeah, they don't drink much at those things, but Shane hasn't come to town yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, man, it's been really, really good having you on here. And if you guys want to keep on rapping for a bit, I'm totally game for that. But I got to bail. Yeah, no, we can wrap up. I'm. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at my clock and realizing it's eight o'clock and I have not done anything for my wife's dinner yet. <laughs> oh, shit. Come on. Yeah. I, I'm the same boat as you. I, I, I'm the home chef, so I get it. I, I thought you said you were going to start pre-making those ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, I may, you know, may have meant I'm going to procrastinate making them till afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, there goes your uh, idea of doing another solo episode anytime soon. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, Brian. Angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Brian, it was great having you on. And I'm sure I speak for everyone. And I said, we'd, we'd love to have you on anytime. I appreciate that. Would love to do it. Uh, Laura, my, my wife doesn't get angry. She gets even. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to be regularly fed, so I didn't know if she might be the same way. <laughs> yeah, she is. She <laughs> is. <laughs> all right, man. It's been great talking to all three of you guys tonight. Y'all too. Have a good night. Yeah. Peace. You bet. Yep, have a good one, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot. All right. Thank Bye. you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Where the fuck is the stop recording button, Rich?